0: Hello, this is Jonathan Lamb speaking with my friend and colleague Greg Skowronski, and today we're going to be talking to uh, Ildar Davletson. Hi, everyone. Um, so we're going to have a little discussion about oil and gas. Um, see what's interesting. See where you might want to be having a look at, and uh, I think a good place to start. Well, what What do you think?
1: Um, well, I would uh, take it from the as a starting point. I would just. Uh, Mentioned that we are after the Prague conference and uh, uh, well famous Wood Wonderland in Prague, where prevailing theme seems one of the prevailing themes seems to have been Russia as an investment topic into first half 2020 and it's a very interesting dividend profile starting with uh, Wood Oil or uh, almighty Gazprom which. Uh, by the way, it's going to be the uh, focal point of our, of our conversation this uh, morning. Gazprom announced today a large, large project uh, in a uh, um, gas chemical venture in Yamal somewhere, um, valued around 15 billion dollars, which naturally raises questions uh, whether it affects its dividend profile or not. Uh, this was the key factor behind investment, uh, behind the recent demand for this stock. So where does it leave us now,
2: Ildar? What's your, what's your take on that? Well, uh, thanks, Greg. And um, it's definitely a bit of a surprise. Uh, I think uh, the um, uh, major theme for Gazprom was that it just uh, started closing the last chapter of its huge investment uh, phase, which uh, for the past 10 years, the company has seen uh, constantly rising capex uh, with the exceptions of the last two or three years. CapEx was on the rise and that um, most of the projects were coming uh, to completion and uh, that gave hope for investors for the market that now it's a new phase of high free cash flow and possibly high dividends. Just to be clear, I think this project which was reported in the media hasn't yet been approved by Gazprom, it's rather something that is being discussed. Um, And just to give a bit more color on this from uh, what we understand. Uh, so, it's about 3 million tons of polyethylene and polypropylene, I think, um, project, which would be based, gas based. So, they will use methane as the source, uh, or methanol actually, as the source for
0: as a feedstock. That, that's an important issue um, because obviously, most of the world's um, PETCHEM, certainly for PE and PP, is either based on NAFTA or it's based on natural gas liquids. So by basing it on natural gas via methanol, obviously there's a very, very different cost structure to the project. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and uh, yeah, before we discuss some parameters on the economics, I just also want to flag that SABIC, um, the uh, Saudi Arabia uh, petrochemical giant was mentioned as a potential partner at, in, together with Russian direct investment fund. So, to me, it suggests that um, Gazprom will not uh, foot the whole bill, and uh, moreover, I do expect huge uh, use of third-party financing in the way of project financing and bonds. Uh, similar maybe to what uh, Novatec has been doing w- uh, with their LNG project. Oh, so that,
1: That's very reassuring, because uh, when I saw the headline this morning, I was really concerned, my first reaction would be, oh my god, that really comes out of the blue, ruins the dividend profile. Uh, that's my initial thought, but uh, yeah. first, uh, not no, only I, is I th- going yeah,
2: to be more partners. We need to see the details, but I think, yeah, um, the na- narrative, question is whether the narrative will change from um falling capex increasing free cash flow and ultimately dividends whether this new project will delay uh, this transition or not i think it's probably won't yes because the exposure of Gazprom to that project will be much less than the 15 billion dollar total cost i would reckon maybe 2 or 3 billion dollars and probably spread over the few next few years we do expect free cash flow of gazprom to be positive of about 6-7 billion dollars enough to cover higher dividends and just on, on this dividends uh, I want to flag that they are now following the latest changes uh, that are yet to be approved before the year end are based on the minimal level of uh, net income or share of net income so they are not really linked to free cash flow the only caveat here is the total debt so it has not doesn't have to be or it shouldn't be more than 2.5 times net debt to done. currently it's 1.1, so Gazprom has enough um, capacity to fund potentially new projects, not that it necessarily will Mm -hmm. use all this debt uh, capacity, but if uh, things really go worse, the uh, dividends should be safe for for quite Mm -hmm. a while. And maybe on the project, just to... But but to conclude, so net net, uh, free cash flow is generation
1: is enough to cover this uh, project, assuming there will be partnerships. I think and there is a lot of headroom on the balance sheet to, to yeah. increase leverage and to meet the uh, uh, recently confirmed new dividend policy, so as shareholders or potential investors we shall not be concerned going forward that the dividend project uh, profile is uh, somewhat uh, altering in light of this. Yeah, I think there.
2: for now the key uh, parameters for the dividends look safe, um, which Call for increased payout ratio reaching at least 50% uh, on the back of 2021 results from last year of about like 26%, so almost doubling, uh, assuming uh, uh, net profit remains flat. So yeah, I don't see um, significant risk from this particular project. It's interesting also that the company has divested um, about 6.5% of its treasury stock recently to the unknown, still unidentified, um, buyers uh, widely um, believed in the market and various uh, media sources that it's uh, people um, who were close to the company uh, either uh, as contractors or through some management uh, links. So, in any case, if it's the p- people uh, like there is a change in ownership with uh, a, a significant minority shareholders, so it's I think it's, it's going to be very interesting to watch what the next steps the company will be taking and the big expectation is potential improvements in efficiency like higher returns and lower cost potential that's kind of the blue sky scenario um...
0: we obviously don't know very much about this project yet but it would strike me as um... strange if it were one great big uh, plant that were built at the same time rather than given it's three million tons is there a chance it might be built in phases um, because it would, be, it would simply be a logistical nightmare to get enough people, enough materials working in that region to build that. You know, what do you think about
2: it? No, I think, uh, yeah, probably a phased approach makes a lot of sense. Uh, I would also highlight that um, in Russia there is the general push towards this uh, new phase of investments, infrastructure investments, as a way to incentivize economic growth. And the Arctic region has been Identified as one of the areas or the regions to uh, promote new projects. So Mm -hmm. we have Rosneft also talking about its uh, project in that part of Russia. Novatec is probably one of the most active there already. So it's not a surprise that this region in particular uh, sees one additional project. But yeah, for Gazprom itself, 3 million tons is probably a bit small. Um, Yeah, but um,
0: you know, I'm. Familiar with with pet projects and some of the big ones in the u.s. Are a million tons mm. So <clears throat> for a pet project actually, three million
2: tons is pretty okay. it's pretty sizable And maybe if I may just add two words on the <laughs> economics We obviously don't know a lot of details right now, but uh, I, I want to highlight that if Gazprom um, Just pumps gas it's uh, gonna have an economic value inside Russia at well of about something like 30 um, dollars per thousand cubic meters, and you probably need one and a half, maybe two BCM to produce that amount. Uh, one ton, one million ton of uh, polyethylene. So the cost, the incoming cost of uh, uh, of the uh, feedstock would be around maybe fifty, sixty dollars per ton. But the economic value that you create will be closer probably to thousand dollars. So. The margin that you can capture with this project is enormous, and moreover, if you export raw materials, you pay higher taxes, like uh, be it crude oil or gas. So like on the gas, the export duty is 30% on most of these petrochemicals, uh, more uh, processed uh, uni- um products you have uh, you either pay zero or, mo- or very low expert duty so even from the tax uh, incentive you are actually encouraged to invest more question is the capex if uh, if it's not going to eat all the future benefits so once you said that I start to think it's a brilliant idea and only can wonder
1: why it took us from so long to come up with such added value um, or uh, going higher the value chain basically uh, concept um, okay. I, I just suspect it's it's culture, right? If you have a great big company that is
0: is um, controlled by the state, decisions take a long time to make. But if you look at Gazprom's core market in Europe um, and where gas prices are, um, you know, strategically speaking, it, it seems to make a lot of sense to diversify the kind of products that you're selling. and um, The reason that the US has been one of the big focal focal points of Petchem in recent years is just that they have cheap raw materials. So the natural gas liquids, are; particularly ethane, um, is priced similar to natural gas. And so to produce polyethylene from ethane in the US is much cheaper than producing it from NAFTA in Europe. Um, And that's why there's been an investment. So if... If somebody like Gazprom has an even bigger cost advantage, um, okay, it's a commodity. Uh Ildar says it's, it's close to a thousand dollars per ton, yep, it's it's been nine hundred or so this year. In previous years it's been maybe one thousand two hundred, one thousand three hundred. Maybe in an oversupplied market it's eight hundred, seven hundred, but in commodity
1: markets the lowest cost producer wins. So Makes all sense, so uh, we, I, I really feel like being reassured a little bit. So I shall not only not worry about the dividend profile, but also expect pretty decent IRRs on this, uh, on this, on this project. Um, moving on, uh, still it's a, quite a big capacity addition in PetCams area uh, in this part of the world, given PKN has sizable PetCams operations, Mall is investing into PetCams, does it change it, any, you know, demand supply situation? Even is local? investing
0: investing in yeah, pet chems.
1: Unfortunately, uh, this one also came up with an idea. So, does it change the demand supply situation? I think and read across to central. I think
0: it definitely has to have some impact. Um, but to put it into context, uh, there is at the moment globally um, several million tons of of these commodity pet chem. Uh, investments being made. So there is, I think, generally an oversupply of uh, polyethylene and polypropylene in the market, and there will be for a few years. So for the legacy players like PK and like Mol, I think the key issue is to what extent are they dependent on these specific products for their earnings from petchem. And what we're seeing them both do, and Mol is doing this to a greater extent than PKN, but they both they both have a similar idea, and that is to invest in other parts of the petchem chain. Um, so with obviously with Mol's polyol project, that's something that is completely different. It bears no relation to poly, polypropylene or polyethylene. Mm-hmm. And even with um, PKN's expansion, of its existing cracker, uh, I'm not sure you know I don't know where that the numbers are going to end up when it's all done, but brownfield investments tend to be a lot cheaper than than greenfield investments, so um, they might gain a little bit in scale there but but real success I think depends on investing somewhere out of this low value um, commodity stuff, which is why another reason why it's it's rather a shame that lotos. It has decided to invest in this polypropylene.
1: Yeah, that's probably um, justifies or explains why Lotus stock price has been so weak uh, uh, this week. Um, still, the 500 million lot it doesn't seem like uh, like a lot of money for Lotus. Stock price has been hammered. Well, not only Lotus but also PK recently for different reasons. We have seen, you know, refining margins. Uh, uh, squeezing down unexpectedly uh, to very low levels Ural brand was even at pr- a premium uh, yep. for a while uh, which is quite uh, well to me it's quite shocking given the proximity of IMO introduction mm-hmm. um, does it create a, a buying opportunity is it uh, something that shall normalize going forward or or it's something new that we don't quite understand uh, why when I asked more anecdotically, what they think about the, about the Europe brand yeah. turning into premium, they said, we have no clue where it's coming from. We uh, would ha- expect normalization. Ha- yes, yes yeah. but are we missing well, something I think, here? I think
0: um, normalization is always one of the safer um, investment feces yeah. to play <laughs> across many sectors across most of the time. Um, but I think you have to understand why a refiner would want to use a heavy crude and there's basically two reasons assuming that they have a reasonable level level of complexity one is that the crude is cheap and number two is that you can produce more diesel or jet fuel from heavy crude than you can from light crude so if you're a European refinery in a market where the the demand is basically middle distillates and you have hydrocrackers and other um, upgrading units in your refinery normally the economics say use a heavy crude produce lots of diesel that's the way you make money now if the heavier crude is expensive and if diesel prices are not high there is basically no reason to carry on um, using the heavier crude if you're not getting the benefit of the costs and you're not getting the benefit of the, the, uh, the diesel now Of course, every refinery has to work within certain constraints based on how they're designed. But it it seems to me that over a period of time, demand for heavy crude has to fall unless diesel prices uh, increase by a significant amount. And so that's the reason why I think the heavy light differentials will actually normalize. And once we're into next year, I think we will see extra strength, strength mm-hmm. in diesel as well. Um, and I think we're going to see, uh, if you look at uh, a good benchmark to look at, Hellenic Petroleum puts out three different refining margins mm-hmm. every month. One is the hydro skimming margin, and the other is FCC and, and hydro cracking. And the hydro skimming margin is very, very deeply underwater at the moment. So if you have a hydro-skimming refinery, you don't have hydrocrackers, at the moment you are losing a lot of money. So I think we see a lot lot of temporary closures Mm -hmm. of the lower complexity refineries unless this um, normalizes. So I would say, at the moment, the depressed price, particularly of LOTOS, I think is an opportunity. Mm I say particularly lotus. I think there are other issues around PKN which make that a slightly riskier investment. Um, you know, particularly the fact that the Polish government has seen fit to turn them into a, a diversified energy play, if you like. And who knows whether there might not be more investments in that line going forward. Um, but on a on a, if you took that away, I think PKN should benefit from this rebound in mm-hmm. margins as well. Yes,
1: yeah, still, as you mentioned, the uh, state inven- interventionism in Poland seems to be continuously on the rise. And eventually it affected uh, PKN, yes. apparently. Well, LOTUS is subject to MA and so mm-hmm. uh, the picture is not like outright clear there, it's a bit complicated in that context. Hence, um, if anyone would like to play Normalisation of your brand differential and refining margins. Does it mean that uh, Tuprush is coming f- as first to my mind? Two is is
0: Moll? well. The problem with MOL, MOL would be great if it was to, if it was a refining company. Yeah. Um, the problem with MOL, of course, yeah. is that refining is, is a fairly small yeah. part of the business. Um, so Tupras. Yeah So two is, is is another vehicle that you can play. My only um, hesitation with Tupperash has been they've had a number of bad quarters and it seems to me that the competition in the Turkish market is is more than um, we expected it to be, more than they expected it to be. And also there appears to be a very heavy finance cost in on their uh, financials in, in the last quarters which I believe is connected to FX um, volatility. Now, the Turkish lira FX, uh, the volatility of the Turkish lira has calmed right down. Um, That might become less of an issue in the the first and second quarters of next year. Um, They will undoubtedly be big beneficiaries if we see uh, a big normalization of the heavy light differentials, which I think if you look at the particular ones that they use, the, the Middle Eastern ones, we're already seeing that, um, they'll be a big beneficiary if the diesel price finally pops up. And so, I think overall, although there are the risks I, I talked about, I think overall it's not a bad mm. way to play this.
1: Alright, so this is our answer um, to, the, to the latest uh, developments. Um, getting back to Gazprom, we stay calm. Um, you know, buckled up and uh, remain buyers of the story on the dividend it's profile. it's a medium
2: term turnaround story, so we still stick with this kind of view, yeah, that it's um, one use may or shouldn't change the overall trend,
1: which is for change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And the latter, the refining picture um, is a bit complicated in Poland, given the state, uh, increasing state role, what we, what, at least what we see as an increased mm-hmm. uh, state role. And we would be looking for an um, entry point in crush to play an expected uh, rebound of the Eurobrand. Yes. Heavy light differential yes. and refining margins. Yep. Um
0: Although I should say it's probably a relatively short term play.
1: What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, so we shall not buy and hold then? <laughs> <laughs>
0: what I mean is that the underlying macro in refining is is not... Particularly attractive, I think. It's so, tides just,
1: are changing because it's been a kind of safe spot for the
0: last two, it, three years. It has been, but we, if we look at, at demand for oil um, globally and we look at increases in capacity and hmm. refining, um, upgrading projects, basically, the, the basic fundamental supply hmm. demand balance looks like it's weakening. So,
1: and it's a very strong statement, which probably yields a topic for the, for our new... Um,
0: I, I would think so, yes.
1: ...approach, uh-huh. chapter. <laughs> okay, I think we shall sum it up here somewhere.
0: Yep, I think that's <laughs> that's enough for today. Um, as always, we're ready to answer questions if anyone wants any further
2: details. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you, Bye.